I identify with John the Baptist a little bit <laughs> because I think as a pastor and as somebody who teaches the Bible, I would love to, I mean, in my pride, in my selfishness, I would love to be, you know, as grand. People are coming to him in droves and must think this is the guy, right? He's, mm. he's our savior. And I think in our human way, we want to be the rescuer of other people. But right away, John says, no, man, the guy who comes that's coming is mightier than me, and I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome to the Take and Read podcast. I'm super excited. I'm super excited to get going. Uh, this is something that uh, truly began because of you. You and I had tacos, and you invited me to go on your podcast. And I remember leaving your podcast, getting into our family vehicle to head out on spring break, literally left your uh, yee farm, yeah. got in the car, started driving for spring break, and thinking that was really fun. And there was a comment you had made uh, at our first taco lunch. I wonder how many great ideas came from tacos. <laughs> that is a great question. <laughs> I mean, tacos, first of all, a great idea. <laughs> And then they produce ideas. So the idea was to, would there be a way to start to just get together, read the Bible, and just see what it says? A a very kind of low entry for anybody. And if you've watched the introduction, uh, kind of short intro that I did prior to this episode, uh, I talked about the goal. And the goal is simply this. If you are a believer and you just want to find one more opportunity to hear the Word of God and hear people talk about it, this is a great podcast. If you are somebody who is curious about Christianity and you don't really even know where to start, this is a good podcast for you. Uh, if you are, you know you're not a Christian and you're an atheist and you think this whole thing is a hoax, but you live in a country where Christianity is pretty dominant, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what Christians think, yep. and that comes from this thing we call the Bible. So this is a great podcast, and if you know somebody that, that falls into one of those categories, send them the link to this, and this may be something that they enjoy. Uh, you're going to hear two guys that are friends that are gathered around reading a, a passage of Scripture and simply talking about what does it mean and what do we do with that. So... We're going to get into it now, but before we do, one of the things that I want to uh, explore with the various guests that I have on, your kind of history or kind of your story with the Bible, like, do you remember when you first like encountered the Bible? Can you remember that far back or remember anything significant about that? Supposedly, my mother read the New Testament to me when I was breastfeeding, I don't remember that though, but she constantly reminds me that uh, really that she read the entire New Testament while I was breastfeeding as a, as a baby, just sowing seeds. So it was always uh, it was always in our house, um, and th- the fact that it was it was always around us. There was always a Bible. Um, my mom and dad were 
always referencing it in relation to, in relationship to life as for example we do this because this is what the bible says or we don't do this because here's what the bible says and so that was kind of ingrained from the beginning with me but i don't think that that is that i know that that is not required for a believer i i'm very blessed to have grown up around the bible and mm-hmm. with with believing parents but it's it is far from being a necessity to the believer to being brought up to it. And there's a lot of people that right. became believers at age 30 or 40 or in college. Right. And so, um, although I was very blessed to be around it, I still had to find my own path. And, and we all do as believers. No matter how we grow up, we have to find our own reasons to read it and reasons to believe it other than I don't know. That's just how I was raised. And for you, I mean, your story, you've, you've shared your story in a lot of different places. And so I encourage you guys to, to go and research and find his story. But there was a significant moment in, in recent history yeah. where that transition, it happened for you, where it wasn't just something your mom gave to you and said, this is a good mm-hmm. thing to do. But there was a tr- significant transition where you encountered Christ. Yes, there was a time when, when scriptures to me were uh, different. They were they were, they weren't connected. They were what I call coffee mug verses. Right. I remember you asked my history. I remember very clearly Romans five eight was my first memorized verse at at um, Pine Cove Camp when I was in elementary school, and that that's kind of was my relationship with with the Bible was different verses that didn't have a a verse before it or a verse after it. They were all separated and you take the separated verse and then you, you could apply it either to your life or you could interpret it, but you're just reading Romans 5.8. So it almost was like an island. It was just exactly. this little island that sat out there, n- n- not attached to any other ideas right. or context. And, and, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me earlier in life, but what you're referring to, what happened to me, my encounter with Christ was when the word was revealed as a whole mm. that maybe you could start at the beginning and start reading it. No, that's not possible, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. Maybe it does. Maybe that's what this is all about. Maybe God's word is revealed through the scripture. Maybe that's the revelation. It's not written in the clouds. Mm. Maybe the word is here for us and it's li- alive and it's breathing. And when that, I get, I get goosebumps just thinking about that because it is, it's a, it's a revolutionary idea that, that all the early church fathers knew, but somehow it got disconnected through the codex and through, through modern history where the codex was, you were able to divide the pretty verses that you could put on a, on a billboard and, you, and it divided it out where nothing else mattered around it. Hmm. And that, that everything changed for me when I decided to read the Bible in its full context. Yeah, and I, one of the things I love about your story is, you know, you you had experienced what I think a lot of a lot of Christians experience, where they they sometimes get their scripture through a mediator, whether that's mm-hmm. through a devotional mm-hmm. or you know uh, something like that, where they're it's being it's being partioned out for them, and they're giving they're given snippets and yep. then some thoughts about that snippet. And one of the things I love about your story is that you kind of described yourself as a devotional junkie. Yes. And then there was this turning point where you said, 
I'm just going to go straight to the source. Yeah. I want to go and read and scripture's enough. Now I'm not, again, you and I both would say we're not discounting devotional. No. I think they're a very helpful and useful tool. Uh, but there is, there's no substitute for just opening the scriptures and allowing God, which we believe speaks through his word. He reveals himself through this word that we call the Bible. We think it is inspired and it is active and living and has an impact and effect today, just as it did 200, 300, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of years ago. So yeah, would you go to a movie theater and just watch the preview and then walk out and go, got it. Because it has the action, it has the love scenes, it has the the big battle, it has everything that you would that that makes the movie popular. So why not just do that? But no one would do that. Yeah, that's that's absurd. No, that's a great way to put it. And so, yeah, for us, we want to dive in and not just watch the preview, but over the course of time, I, along with Granger and other folks that that I deeply respect, are going to come and join me at this table. And we're going to simply take and read the Bible and wrestle with it and talk about it and allow it to um, guide us and, uh, yeah, shed light on our our walk. Um, I would love to know, before we jump in, tell me a little bit about what your time in the Bible actually looks like. If you spend time in it by yourself, if that's a more of a family time, if you and Amber get into it, if if you have a regular time, um, yeah, how much you read at a time, yeah, tell me. What, yeah. If someone were to, to just spend a day with you as you engage with the scriptures, what would that look like? Yeah, I could tell you what it is right now, and that's, that's, that's evolved over time. And, and you could see, if you're watching on YouTube, I brought this, um, this iPad, because I, I had a feeling you are going to bring a book. And so I thought, well... I want to. I want to at least show the other the, another option mm-hmm. of reading the Bible, and because some people might think of read the Bible on an iPad, that like that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but but this is it's not the only way, and it's not the only way I do it. But it is a good way uh, to because it it's it can go with me everywhere. And I and on this particular, this is called Logos. This app, I could choose any translation. I could. I could touch any word on here and it'll quickly bring up a definition. Mm-hmm. I could also look at reference text. I could look at, um, I could cross-reference other translations. So yeah. I wanted to kind of bring this to show, to contrast um, different ways of reading the Bible. Um, I I would like to have several different ways of reading it. I, I, you probably do too. I think everyone should have like a family heirloom Bible in their mm-hmm. house, like a good hardback. I think everyone should have a good reference Bible from someone that they, they can trust that you could read through the commentary as you're reading the Bible. And I think everyone should have something like you have, which is no reference. It's just compact. So you could slip it into a, a briefcase or a backpack easily. Yeah. And then um, I'm going to bring forth another option, which is uh, a digital version, which this is also on my phone. So I always have the Bible on me wherever I am. Mm-hmm. If I'm on an airplane and, I, and I, I'm thinking of something, I've got a Bible in my pocket, even though my bag is zipped up in the, in the overhead, you know, with the Bible in it. So my routine is I like to start every day with a reading so that, that if I'm home, that's I like it to be before the sun comes up, before the kids are mm-hmm. wrestling about through the house and I'm distracted. 
that's not to say that we don't we read together with kid with the kids and we read uh, my wife and I, but I like to ha- I like to have the foundation of my own yeah. quiet time. So I will do that um, every day. I can't think of any days that, and I've had busy days. I can't think of any that were too busy to read the Bible. The way I do it now is um, through a reading plan. Mm. It, this one, this this particular plan I'm on this year. It's read the Bible through a year is McShane reading plan, and it gets me twice to the New Testament, twice to the Psalms, and once to the Old Testament in one year. That gives me four chapters a morning, and so it'll go, it'll go like the the Moses the the torah type stuff then it'll give like a a prophet type verse or a chapter and then it'll give me a, a psalm and then something in the new testament that's kind of what it aligns to be every morning how so four chapters in the bible how long does that take you to process through? um well that's a great question because if i just read it that's one thing if i'm if i'm taking notes mm-hmm. or if i'm looking up uh, references or definitions they could take me uh, it could take me a, an hour. It could take me 45 minutes. I could do it in about 20 minutes if I need to. Um, but I like the one reason I like doing the reading plan is because, especially say, say you're going through Genesis, you have a tendency because Genesis is such a cliffhanger every chapter, there's a tendency to just keep going. And then you've read six chapters and you haven't, you don't have much retention, but you're just trying to get to what's going to happen to these people now. And, and so this, this pumps the brakes for me. It, I'll read like right now, I think I'm in, I'm in Joshua, Jeremiah, Psalms and Matthew. So it, I'll read one in Joshua and then I stop and it's a cliffhanger. But then I got to go to Jeremiah. You get kind of excited about get, tomorrow. Yeah, and then I, I literally get excited about waking up tomorrow, getting my cup of coffee. You know, the lights are dim, the kids aren't up, and I'm going to find out what happens to the Israelites in Joshua tomorrow. Okay, so you reference there's some other elements to your routine. So you're you're by yourself. Yes. Do you have Do you sit in the same spot every time yes. when you're at home? Yes. Okay, so you have your spot. You have your time. You've got a cup of Joe. Yes. Uh, is there anything else that's like particular to kind of setting the scene of when you? I I get up, I brush my teeth. I'm gonna walk you straight through it. I brush my teeth. I'm I usually drink a glass of water, and then I make that cup of coffee, and then I'll pull up this iPad, which is another reason actually I like the iPad is because it's when that's a dimly lit room. Yeah. But always, I always pray before I before I start the first word. And sometimes it sometimes that's a little difficult because my mind is still foggy. I haven't had the coffee yet, mm-hmm. and I and I and my prayers get shorter <laughs> because I just need to get into the word. I need to yes. get going. Yes. But the prayer will usually it won't be extensive on on the family and the day and and what's going on in my life. It's more of God. I'm about to open this word. Mm. Make this make this real for me. Reveal you in this word. So that I could see it, so that I could absorb it. Make me see the majesty in this word, that the living, breathing word, the living, breathing God has revealed to me this morning. This is a special time. Don't don't let that pass for me. Don't let this be about drinking this cup of coffee and starting my day. Right. And I think you point out the fact that this is a supernatural book. Yes. And so to 
to ask the Lord for help in opening our eyes and understanding to what is here, I think is, is important. But there's one thing you said that kind of tripped me up. So you brush your teeth <laughs> before you drink your coffee. It's kind of weird, right? I just, I I've never to. met anyone who does I'm that. I'm sorry. Usually I, it's like people drink their coffee, they avoid coffee breath, they then brush up. But you're like, no, I want to present my best breath to my cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, maybe okay. so. That's it. weird. Well, if you uh, if you are also a pre-coffee brusher, maybe leave a comment about that. Yes. All righty. So what we're going to jump into today, uh, you referenced uh, in your reading plan, you've got four, and it's hitting different genres, different parts of the Bible. Yes. So we understand the Bible is broken up into really two parts. You have Old Testament, New Testament. You have 66 books uh, that we identify here, and there are different genres. So that's a, a fancy way to say that there are some that are letters, some that is poetry, some that is kind of a historical perspective and just taking you through historical events. You've got a bunch of different genres. And I like so, that, that genre phrase. I'll start using that now. There you go. That was, that was what I was looking for, something to describe the, the difference in the four books, four chapters I mean. Well, and it's nice because I think some people, when they start out and they jump into a Bible reading plan, they'll get through Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus hits. Yeah. And you're like, what do I do with this? And they get kind of bogged down in a lot of details or they still just don't understand why all these names matter. Or And so spreading it out with four different genres, there's bound to be something that morning or that encounter with the word that stands out that, that is significant for that time. Yes. And so I think that's that's really wise. There was a time when I was in Leviticus um, the meat of Isaiah and a psalm and revelation. And I was just like, Lord, bring me through this this time of reading. <laughs> I'm ready to get back. But when it, as soon as Matthew 1 hit, I was like, yes. Yes, all right. <laughs> uh, so uh, we are going to be starting in the New Testament. And I selected this starting point because it's, it's the earliest account that we have of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Yes. And so we're going to be in what's called the gospel according to Mark. Uh, and so if you're, if you're wanting to track with us at home, uh, you can yeah, turn in your new Testament and it's the second, um, second book in the new Testament. Before you start on Mark, um, what's I, I love, first of all, that's like you said that we, we, are pretty sure this was the first gospel of Christ and Mark was not there. Mm -hmm. It's interesting um, to, to think about this because we think that this is the gospel according to Peter, right? That Mark got a lot of this information from Peter, but it's not called the gospel of Peter, which is interesting that the, the, as they were collecting these these gospels in the early days that we could refute the other gospels like the gospel of thomas and the gospel of mary we could refute those that they named them after themselves because that wasn't happening mm -hmm. um, peter didn't name it after himself but we know that mark got a lot of his information from peter and paul 
And it's, it's fascinating um, because we also believe that the other three Gospels had a reference of Mark mm-hmm. when they were writing as well. And the fact that they're not exactly the same on every single detail makes it more true as well because we know they weren't copying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, well, this is a deep this, this is, is this is getting deep into yeah. this but but um I'm saying this to say that there's we have we have irrefutable evidence that this is this is the word of God and that this mm-hmm. is this is infallible and I love I love that we can we could open up to Mark and go this is this is the word of God. Mm-hmm. It's infallible. I love that. Yeah, so you have, um, yeah, you make the good point that Mark was not an eyewitness to these things. Uh, It's, uh, we, historians identify that this Mark is, uh, or known as John Mark, was an early scribe, companion of Paul and of Peter's, uh, and that what what we have here in what's called the Gospel of Mark is a collection that Mark put together of the, um, the scenes in the life of Jesus that Peter witnessed and yes. experienced. And so a lot of this comes from the teaching of Peter is what we understand. And there's a church historian, Eusebius, which uh, it's a, that's a fun name. But he, he even goes on to say that it was when uh, Peter was preaching the gospel, there was a certain community that, that didn't want him to leave just yet. And they didn't want him to leave without leaving them the teachings that he had been sharing with them from Jesus Christ. And so um, that John Mark was had accompanied him, and, and so he went on to record all of Peter's teachings in a very hurried fashion. So it's interesting that Mark is the shortest of the accounts mm-hmm. that we have. It's also the most fast-paced. It goes really quick. There isn't a lot of detail kind of in between things. It just goes scene one, scene two, and it just kind of clips through. But to keep in mind, there is an intentional organization that Mark has done here. He is chosen. He's trying to convey something about Jesus, a particular thing in a particular way, and so that's why he's organized what he has in this way. And so... um, as we get into it, we'll be able to unpack what are some of the, the nuances or things that he's trying to indicate to us about this Jesus. Uh, so uh, we can we can jump right in. Um, so what I think we'll do is we'll just read, uh, you want to read verses 1 through 8? It seems to be like a, yeah. a, a decent section. So um, yeah, do you want to read? Should I read? No, I don't know. You this have a better first, voice. Okay, than me. I don't know about that. <laughs> Aren't you the one that, that kind of your living's made of? Okay. Well, here we go. The Gospel according to Mark, uh, beginning in chapter one, verse one. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 
Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. All righty. So there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Let's just take a look maybe at the first couple of verses. Uh, and right away, I think the question that we want to try to understand is what what is actually being said here? Okay. There's some very uh kind of Christian words mm-hmm. that really, obviously, it's it's the Bible, so they can be Christian words, but there are words that we don't often incorporate into our regular conversation here. Uh, what are some of those that you see that you go, man, I think that needs explaining? And, and since you're talking words, I think briefly, Chad, you could tell everybody, because somebody might be thinking, well, these are English words. Mm-hmm. So, and we're reading out of the ESV, both of us, right. We talked right before we started this podcast that 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 is we do not believe that this the ESV is the end all be all translation. There are many, and Chad said he's actually going to switch and read a couple different versions. But um, it needs to be said that when these translations are or are written, the ESV is like the early nineties, nineteen nineties. Okay, so when this when the, we'll use this as a, as an example, there is a there's over a hundred scholars that are deeply analyzing mm-hmm. the original Greek text. So this is not the game of telephone. This is not a over the centuries and through different kings in the Middle Ages and things got switched around and things got forgotten and left out. No. These 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 versions, these scholars that are vetted and vetted and vetted and vetted are going back to the original, the earliest Greek text that we have, and they're looking at the Greek words that were written originally. And then then they're finding the best English versions of those words. So if you have any doubt, just put all those doubts aside that what we're reading is the closest to the Greek words that Mark was writing. So before we even say a single English word, let's we have to make sure we, we clear mm-hmm. that up. Yeah, that's good. And so from that, there are words that have made their way into the English language that come from the Greek language. Yes. And and so Mark is trying to, again, convey a very particular account of who Jesus is. So he starts out, and it's interesting, he says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. the beginning of... And the word gospel is a word that means good news, all right? So uh, it's a, yeah, it's not something, I mean, I I guess sometimes we go, yeah, that's the gospel truth. Like we use that word, but it it is a word that we use in the English language because of the Bible. Yes. And so it is referencing, in fact, this book is called The Gospel According to Mark, the good news about Jesus Christ according to Mark. And so he's saying the beginning of this good news about Jesus Christ. So right there, there's some more language. People, Some people go, well, Jesus Christ, Jesus' first name, Christ is his last name, <laughs> right. right? It's actually a title, right? right. And some, some uh, would translate that word Christ as Messiah, 
mm-hmm. and so it's 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 uh, Messiah would be the uh, the Hebrew or the the Aramaic term, and then you have Christ being the Greek term for this same thing, and and um, and so when we get into the idea of Jesus Christ or Jesus the Christ, it's referring to a title. It was somebody that was anticipated that for the Jews. It is somebody that they had been prophesied throughout the Old Testament, somebody they were anticipating that was going to be a, a deliverer, an anointed one that was going to have a certain role uh, in delivering God's people. And so they identified that person as the anointed one or, or the, the one that was to come that was to make all things right. And so this idea that Mark is claiming Jesus is the Christ in the original first century when this is written, he's making a very particular declaration about who Jesus is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you notice there in verses one or two? Well, what we're going to do in two is we're going to, we're going to hear from Isaiah. And to me, that's, it's such an important, it's such an important thing because you could, you could start to think, well, the new Testament, I believe that, but all that Old Testament, that's that's some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And right off the bat, the, the earliest gospel that we know or of. Or weird or sometimes irrelevant. People are like, Or oh, irrelevant. Like, or oh, irrelevant. Back then. But here we are in the earliest gospel that we know in recorded history. Mark is making a reference in the second line to the truth of the Old Testament and connecting the stories and you could say everything that Isaiah said 700 about 750 years before this Isaiah was prophesizing that the Christ would come and that John the Baptist would come before him and so here we're instantly making this connection with the Old Testament and we're 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 connecting all those dots that the Jewish people and, and Mark and, and everyone in these stories right now, they're all Jews, ex- except for Luke, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is blasphemy for Mark to say this. He was killed for this. He was killed for this. All these guys were killed for this. And so for him to make this connection and line two to connect, line one, I'm, I'm declaring the Messiah, the Son of God, that's blasphemy from a Jew. And then line two, I'm connecting the mighty Isaiah the prophet to this Messiah. Hmm. That, is, that is worth getting killed for as a Jew. But he's going to say it because he, that's how much he believes it. Yeah. And to understand prophets, uh, prophets were individuals that are selected by God to speak on behalf of God. Hmm. And so this is not just Isaiah's idea, but Isaiah in the Old Testament, hundreds of years earlier, had been set aside by God to declare a message to God's people, his fellow Jews. And one of those was that there is going to be a messenger, right? There's going to be someone I send that's going to prepare the way for this anointed one, this Messiah, this Christ. And he is going to declare a certain uh, message and he's going to be a voice crying in the wilderness. He's going to come out of the wilderness uh, and he is going to prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. And so then immediately we jump into verse four Mm -hmm. and here we have on the scene an interesting individual. Yes. Not to be (laughs) confused with the apostle John. Right. Right. 
But John, it says, appeared. So what Mark is doing, he's telling us, okay, there's, this is the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. And this story begins hundreds of years before the events that maybe several of the people that he's writing to had witnessed. He's saying, no, this happened, this, this story begins long ago with our forefathers and the prophets declaring. And one of the things that we're going to see or understand about when this Messiah arrives is there's going to be somebody who comes, a messenger preparing the way, declaring who he is. And so then he, he makes reference that this, this messenger that God sent has actually arrived. His name was John. And he started baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And it gives some details about him. I mean, he's a crazy dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, what are I've some never things eaten here? Yeah, eating locusts. <laughs> I mean, you might brush your teeth before coffee, but you won't, <laughs> you know, you won't dress in camel's hair and wear a giant leather. Well, you probably have a leather belt. Do you have a big leather belt? A big I, buckle? Not really. This mm-hmm. is the only one I have here. That's very ornate, but it's not crazy like this. You know what's a, the other thing that I always think about too is wild honey. You know how hard that is to get. I mean, that's a good point. I've never thought. I about mean, that. I, I've I've dabbled in beekeeping, and you know, I'll suit up, and I've got the little smoker, and and I'll go on a time when the bees aren't wound up. But to, but to say that it eats locusts and wild honey, this the the locusts that's disgusting. And the wild honey, that is painful. Mm. It's hard to get wild honey back then. Yeah. So he definitely stood out as one from the wilderness, yeah. just as Isaiah prophesied, right? One coming from the wilderness, preparing the way. And it's interesting, what does the, the preparation involve? Uh, what are some things you notice? He, what is he doing to prepare this way? It looks like he's baptizing. Mm-hmm. And he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance. What it, when you hear repentance for the forgiveness of sins, what what pops in your head? Well, it's it's anytime you see the re, it's it's go back. Hmm. You know, so this this idea wasn't new to the Jews. The repentance to God is a is a common theme which means I'm sorry. I, 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 I feel sorry for my mistakes. And um, that, that idea, God, I'm sorry, is not new. The forgiveness of sins from the Messiah is a new idea. Mm-hmm. That is the new idea. Um, and so to have this crazy man with camel's hair and, and locusts, screaming to people to to apologize and start over hmm. to restart what what's the what's the trans what's the the latin translation of repentance do you know uh i do not know the latin i don't uh, know what penance is yeah i don't know see take and read is it is it yeah you could tell we're we don't have notes <laughs> yeah i um, don't know what what that my my kids might be able to they they're studying latin right now i should ask it's it's paraphrasing it would just be restart hmm. restart and and that that is um that's just sounds insane to think about this man out here baptizing in the wilderness of of Israel 
um, telling people to start over with their lives and they'll get forgiven of their sins. Yeah. You can, you also see there's uh, the scene is not just kind of a couple of one-off instances, but it says in verse 5, and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him mm-hmm. and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. So there's this scene and this realization that this John the Baptist character, this one from the wilderness that's a little bit eccentric, droves of people mm-hmm. are going out to him and they're they're wanting to be baptized, right? They're in the Jordan, they're going down under the water and back up again, and they're they're desiring this repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Like they want to declare, Lord, we're sorry. We want to make it right with mm-hmm. you. Uh, but it's interesting because he wants to right away make it clear that this isn't about him. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. John is not about John, mm-hmm. and he says he was preaching in verse seven. After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie. Mm-hmm. Like he's so much more than me. To get to the lowest point I could possibly get in a human context, which would be the feet, and to get to a place that's probably pretty grubby, untying his sandals, like, I'm not even worthy to do the most unworthy job. And he's got a different baptism. I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, spirit and water. Um, okay, so anything else that, like, just to understand the scene, what's happening here, like, anything else we need to to hit on? Because I think the next question, if there's nothing more, so we've got John Mark is starting out, he's, he's giving us this account of Jesus, and he wants to connect right away to this is a story that begins before us. It begins in the past. We got this prophet Isaiah hundreds of years earlier telling us that this, there, when the Messiah starts arrives on the scene, there's going to be this one that comes and prepares the way. So then he connects that immediately to John. John appears, baptizing. He's crazy. Uh, he's got the camel's garment, the hair, the eating honey and locusts mm-hmm. and the big leather belt. And But he right away identifies it's not about me don't come to me i'm not your savior and i'm not the one Mm -hmm. i'm not the anointed one i'm not the christ there's one that's coming that's mightier than me so when we stand back we understand what it says so for for believers what does that mean well for one thing as believers this is the first time that we've we see a, a baptism and that that is so ingrained in christian culture and a lot of people do it. And Jesus says later that, that of all the men born of women, John was the greatest. Mm-hmm. He was the greatest. We unfortunately don't know a whole lot about John the Baptist. We know just enough. We right. know what we're supposed to. We know it's to. been revealed to us. But we don't know, like, the, the, the great prophets, prophets of the Old Testament, we know a lot about them through their writings. Mm-hmm. We don't, John didn't write a thing. But this is the first time that we hear about this baptism. And and so for anyone that is a believer or maybe a non-believer that wonders, what do those crazy people do in the water? God, Jesus is 
is basically saying you have the right idea to take the the analogy of going in water and cleaning and starting new repentance starting again with cleansing of the water this is the water doesn't do it but it's the representation of what it's doing Mm -hmm. the cleansing that it's doing and so this is the first time when if you get anything out of this podcast if you walk away and go i know what baptism is now because it represents the repentance the, the 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 renewal the beginning the starting again clean that's what you feel like when you get out of a shower you not after you drink coffee after you brush your teeth but you <laughs> you feel clean and jesus appears to think great idea john that's the right idea that's the best representation and so much that i'm going to do it as well hmm. which is why baptism continued through Jesus's life and to this day. Yeah. And um, on that theme of baptism, he makes a point to draw a difference between his baptism and the one, the baptism that will come. He says, I've baptized you with water, physical, right? Mm -hmm. It's a physical, water is used for cleansing. So there's this physical component of restoration, cleansing, uh, starting over, and he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So there's some kind of element here that Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is not, is like water, but not like water. Yeah. And so I don't know if you have any thoughts about just the way in which water is a referent in the physical world, and the Holy Spirit is a reference in maybe a a spiritual or a non-physical sense, and what both of those mean to the believer we'd have to go to john 3 on another podcast and and to the conversation with nicodemus and talk about the spirit and and his his analogy was jesus's analogy was the wind it moves like the wind and so we have one analogy of the water and one of the wind but both of them are fluid and and all in in encompassing you can't escape it when you get in water you're completely engulfed in it mm-hmm. when you when you're in the wind it's all in you and and that's the representation of the beginning of when we first start hearing about this holy mm-hmm. spirit yeah so yeah in this in terms of mark's account this is the first reference to a lot of these ideas but it certainly isn't the last yeah we're gonna see that as this unfolds we're gonna hear the direct teaching from Jesus about himself on these different things. And and so I think some some takeaways for us, if you were just to walk away and go, man, given this truth, if we believe this to be God's word spoken for our benefit today, what's what's a takeaway? What's a what do you walk away with as a follower of Christ, as a father, as a husband, a son, like a brother, like, what do you, what's, what's been shown? Well, if I'm reading this for the first time, I can't wait to get to the next line because I'm just thinking, what, what is the Holy Spirit and how do I get more of that? Hmm. And, and I, hope that, I hope that anyone reading has that feeling of what's the next, what happens next? Mm-hmm. I got to know. Because if this is real, like everyone is saying, then I need to know what this Holy Spirit is. I need to know how I get baptized by it. I need to know how I can repent. What does that mean? Hmm. 
I want to be forgiven for my sins. And this is all, like you said, just eight, eight verses in the first yeah. chapter here, and we already get these, these major themes of this gospel that, that one at one time seems so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I stand back and I look at it and go, I almost in this, this section, I identify with John the Baptist a little bit <laughs> because I think as a pastor and as somebody who teaches the Bible, I would love to, I mean, in my pride, in my selfishness, I would love to be, you know, as grand. People are coming to him in droves and must think, this is the guy, right? He's, mm. he's our savior. And I think in our human way, we want to be the rescuer of other people. But right away, John says, no, man, the guy who comes that's coming is mightier than me and I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes. And I think that's the challenge for me as I read this text is to just to be sobered by the idea that as much as I would love to have all the answers and be somebody's rescuer, man, I, at the end of the day, need to be one who's just so ready to point them to the one who actually can. Like I can't and I'm not worthy to touch his sneakers. Mm. I can't, I've, I'm, I'm just not that good. And, but he's rescued me. And so I'm simply going to show you where to get rescued. Right. And so that's a, I think a takeaway that that's challenged me just in this reading just now, that is a, Absolutely. a sobering reminder. So for anyone that's, that's hearing this for the first time, this crazy guy, John, he meets Jesus and you could see, you could read the interaction. Like, can you, he's talking about this guy he's never met. Mm. He, he comes mightier than me. He's going to meet him face to face. And then you could see through eyewitnesses that interaction. Yep. And um, man, I wouldn't be able to put that down if I knew that that was coming. That's right. That's like Anakin Skywalker's got to meet his father. <laughs> One day, or, like that. no, he doesn't. That, that's a bad example. Luke Skywalker would have to meet you. <laughs> uh, so well, hey, Granger, thank you so much for um helping me get this thing kicked off. It's, it's uh, of course, I'm man. so excited for this journey and excited for the multiple times that you're going to be with us here at the table reading the word and just wrestling with it. And so if you're, if you're tuning into this podcast, this is the first of many yeah. uh, to come. Uh, we're going to continue to make a journey through the Gospel of Mark, and then after that, we'll just keep taking book by book. And, uh, and so if you have questions, if there are things that have come up today and you're like, what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? You can go to takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. You can email me there, and I'll be sure to to try to respond if I can. And I think what will eventually happen is as we kind of traverse these these books and these texts, uh, questions will come up, and there'll be times where maybe we just sit and wrestle with some of these questions that have come up from past readings. So, uh, yeah, as we move forward, we're still we're still kind of exploring what this can mm. be. And so your comments, your input is super helpful and is a huge blessing. Um, mm. I guess if it's good compliments, I mean, comments, <laughs> it's a blessing. But 
No, but uh, so glad to have you, Granger. I love it, man. This is such a great idea. So, and you read, we read this, and and I just if if you if you like I said, if you've never heard this, and you think I'm just not that interested, I want to tell you one thing. This guy Mark, the guy that that gave this account, he was drugged, as far as we know. I have good evidence that he was drugged through the streets behind horses until his skin completely fell off and he died. All the while, they were asking him, all you have to do is tell us you lied and we'll stop this mess. We'll stop the horses. And he couldn't. No. Because, because he was testifying he to was testifying. What, what was true. That's, so if you get anything, just imagine that these, what these words meant to Mark. And then you have to ask, should they mean something to me? Amen. We're going to end there. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.